Good morning. Welcome to worship on this bright and glorious day that God has given us. Um, a reminder to the youth that you are meeting this afternoon at the Peak Pharmacy. I think that's right at four o'clock for a nature trail, a nature hike. Um, so look forward to that. If I didn't live on the other side of town, I might come back and go with you. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I've got several youth announcements this morning. So um, the youth are also going to Montreat in June, and Karen is desperately in need of a female um, volunteer to go with her. She has a few feelers out, um, but really does need somebody. You don't. I'm not going to say you don't have to do anything because that's never true. <laughs> But I think it's doable, um, so please contact Karen um, if you have any interest or questions about that, if you think you might be interested in a week at Montreat in June. That's never a bad thing. Um, speaking of Karen, she is out away this weekend. She had an unexpected death in her family at the end of the week. Um, she'll be back in the office on Wednesday. Um, thanks to those of you who kind of stepped in for her for today and um, certainly keep her and her family in your prayers in this loss. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God with a moment of centering silence.
your love is boundless, and your grace exceeds our imaginations. Though we lock the doors of our hearts, still you come and find us. We confess the grip that sin has on us, leading us away from you and distorting even our best intentions. Cleanse our hearts, create in us a place where we can pray from you and receive the fullness of life you offer. In Jesus Christ, amen. Into our locked places and shadowy hurts, the risen Christ enters, offering peace, resurrecting our spirits and breathing new life into our weary souls. As God's forgiven people, we are sent to offer that same peace, forgiveness, and new life to the world. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose goodness shines on me unto the sun. You may be seated, and I would invite the children who are worshiping with us to come forward for a few moments together. Good morning. Now, I don't think I have met you all yet. I'm Pastor Robin. Virginia. Knox and Virginia. And Evelyn, right? I remember that. Do you know why I remember that? Do you remember? Well, yes, that's true, but you know what? I know you were here last week, but I might not remember everybody's name last week. But there's a special reason I remember your name. Do you remember why? I told you. Because it's my mom's name, Evelyn. So it's easy for me to remember. And so now we have Knox and Virginia, too. I'm glad to see you all. Did you all have a nice Easter? Yes? Did you have a nice Easter, Evelyn? Did you go out there and find lots of eggs? Yes. Did you all do any Easter egg hunts? Yes. Well, good. Well, so last week, I know you all weren't here, but we had a lot of fun doing lots of colors and telling the Easter story, didn't we? And are you still tired from that? Because I kind of yeah, am too. <laughs> I had a party and I stayed up. Oh, goodness. I mean, my son did too, and I had to stay up. What's that? Oh, you're tired? You know, it's kind of a tired day. I agree. Well, so last week was lots of fun. But this week, I have kind of a more serious question for you. Are you ever scared? Do you ever get scared? Yeah? Do you ever? You're scared because of the fire? I think we're safe from that fire. I think we're safe. How about you, Knox? What do you get scared of? 
Can you think of a time you were scared? The dark. The dark. Yep. The dark for you. Sometimes the dark for me too. Sometimes when I'm in my house by myself and I, even though I've locked the doors and turned out the lights, my house creaks sometimes and makes weird sounds and sometimes I get scared too, I'll be honest. So what do you do when you're scared? I keep the door open. You keep the door open. Well, that's not a bad idea. You keep the lights on. Okay, well, I might have to try that. And is that what you do too, Knox? When you're scared, you, take, you turn the lights on? Well, so last week when we talked about Jesus' friends, they were very excited because they, Mary went and told them that Jesus, she had seen Jesus. And you remember he died, and that was really sad, but she'd seen him. He was alive. Well, by the evening, maybe when it was getting dark, guess what? They had put themselves, they'd gotten together, and they put themselves in a house, and they locked the door. Because you know what? They were scared. Why do you think they were scared? Yes. Because they don't believe maybe Jesus were, was, um, was still alive. Maybe, because that's kind of, like, that doesn't really happen, does it? That's kind of a hard thing to believe. So maybe that was a little scary to think, wait a minute, wait Jesus died on Friday. How is he alive today? That might have been a little scary. Why else might have they been scared, do you think? Maybe they were scared because they were afraid that what was done to Jesus, maybe they were afraid they'd be next. That would be kind of scary, wouldn't it? I'd probably lock the door up real tight too. Well, so what do you think happened while they were in that room with the door locked and they were scared? Any ideas? What do you think? Baby Jesus would be still alive. They, he will open the door, and they will, they will see through, with their real eyes, baby Jesus is still, still alive. Well, that's almost exactly what happened. Almost. Except he didn't open the door. I know. We don't know how he got in there, but all of a sudden, Jesus came and stood among them. And you know what he did? He breathed on them. Was baby Jesus a ghost? No, he wasn't a ghost because he said, look, see my hands and look at the, where my side, where I got pierced with a sword. He definitely wasn't a ghost, but he breathed on them, which is kind of a funny thing, especially in our day and age when we don't want people breathing on us, right? And I meant to put a mask on. I'm sorry, I didn't do that. But at any rate, so he breathed on him, but that breath, was peace, and it was the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had promised to send the Spirit to be with him. And what do you think the Spirit does for us? Yes. Keep us alive? Well, yes, in, in a very real sense, yes, because it kind of keeps us spiritually alive, right? And guess what? The disciples weren't afraid anymore. So sometimes when we're afraid... Not to say that it takes our fear away, because usually when we're brave, it's because we're afraid, but we try it anyway, right? It doesn't mean we're not afraid, because sometimes we are. But the Holy Spirit and Jesus' peace helps us to be brave and helps us to kind of conquer that fear, so that the fear isn't in charge, but Jesus is. So next time you're afraid, and you need to open the door or turn on the light— Maybe you can also take a big, deep breath. Can you do that with me? 
big deep breath and think, God is with me. Or you could take a big deep breath and think, Jesus is here. Or Jesus loves me. And sometimes just remembering that helps to kind of squelch our fear a little bit and make us a little more at peace anyway. Do you know what peace is? Yes. Peace is when you feel better. Yes. That's a really good way to say that. And you feel calmer because you know when you're afraid, you don't feel very calm, do you? So pieces helps you feel calm. So can you remember to try to do that the next time you're scared? And I will too. Okay. How about we pray together? Can you, um, sometimes people like to bow their heads or close their eyes, but how, sometimes you want to open your arms so that you can kind of receive God. Sometimes you want to put your hands together. So however you want to pray, if you'll repeat after me, dear God, dear God thank, you for Jesus. thank you for Jesus. Thank you for always being with us, especially when we're afraid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's nice to meet the both of you. It's nice to see you again, Evelyn. And if you all would like to go to Children's Church, you're welcome to do that. You're welcome. Thank you. Please join us in the prayer for illumination. God of new life, as the risen Christ came into the locked room of the first disciples, May your living word enter our hearts by the power of your spirit, so that we who have also not seen may yet believe. Amen. The first reading is Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
Amen. I have to say, I was thinking while Anita read Psalm 150 to us, we Presbyterians need to learn to loosen up a little bit, don't we? <laughs> we don't do that quite as well as that psalm feels to me, myself included. Our gospel lesson this morning comes to us from John's Gospel, chapter 20, continuing the Easter story that we began last week. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wasn't last Sunday wonderful? I mean, Easter is always special, but this year it seemed particularly so, and maybe because we haven't experienced a full Easter service in, what, three years? So to gather early out on the labyrinth, celebrating the resurrection as the sun rose, bringing the new day with it, and then sharing in an Easter breakfast together, later gathering with so many family and friends and even guests in this space, adorned with the beauty and the scent of Easter lilies, with so many children exuding joy from every fiber of their being, the table prepared with bread and cup, joyful, robust music and singing and the shouting of alleluias, hearing once more the Easter story of hope and new life. We did it all, and in a way we haven't been able to for quite some time, which perhaps made it all the more joyous. 
new life and new energy were in the air. And yes, I went home and took a nap, <laughs> as did, I understand, several others. I was tired, but it was a good tired, because Easter brings that sense of excitement, new birth, new life, anticipation of things to come. But what now? What can we possibly say to one another after God has said it all in the resurrection? Where do we go from here? I mean, we come to worship and there are noticeably fewer people here than were here last Sunday. We ourselves perhaps don't feel as much energy and excitement as we were able to summon for Easter. The lilies, I noticed as I came in this morning, were a little droopy. Our alleluias are also perhaps a little less joyful. We feel maybe a little tapped ourselves. And maybe we're wondering, what now? I think the disciples on that first Easter were experiencing similar feelings. On Easter morning, after Mary had encountered the risen Christ, she returned and exclaimed, I have seen the Lord. And there was excitement all around, though no one was really sure what to make of it or what to think, what it could mean. And yet by evening, that joy seems to have abated somewhat. The disciples came together in one room, in one place. They locked the doors and shuttered the windows. And I can imagine that they shared memories and retold some of the stories as we do. They worried and waited. They wondered what was to become of them. It was a fearful time. The future was unknown, unclear. What now? No one knew. And then suddenly, in some way that surpasses our comprehension, because like I told Evelyn, Jesus didn't open the door, he simply came and stood among them, showing them his hands and his pierced side. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. What we find in these very few verses are the fulfillment of something Jesus has already told them, promised them, Earlier, when he had been preparing them for his death, he had told them that later the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. My peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. Those very words we find now being fulfilled. As he comes to them, dispelling their fear, turning their mourning into joy, breathing on them, filling them, infusing them with the Holy Spirit, who will be with them and us all these generations later forever, granting them his peace, just as he had told them. Peace be with you. Many churches, I'm sure you are aware, share a passing of the peace in worship, in which members are invited to share Christ's peace with one another. 
And some congregations embrace that with great enthusiasm and much gusto. Others find it disruptive, irreverent even, thinking, listen, I already said good morning to everybody around me before worship started. Why do it again? You're laughing. You're in that group. <laughs> Here in this passage, though, the risen Lord says it not once, but three times. Peace be with you. This is not meant to be a rote greeting or some other way of saying hello. It is a gift, a gift offered to those fledgling disciples in this new time of transition and change. The gift of peace, of Christ's peace, which is way different than a mere good morning, how you doing, good to see you, isn't it? So I want to ask you, because we can all use Christ's peace, especially in unsettling times, I want to ask you to try something for me this morning and relax. I'm not going to ask you to get up and share the peace of Christ. <laughs> Not today, anyway. But I do want to invite you to put your feet both on the ground, feel it solidly underneath you, sit up straight if you're slouching, <laughs> if you're willing, if you're comfortable doing so, close your eyes or find a fixed point to look at ahead of you. And then take a deep breath in. Imagine your lungs, your body, your spirit being filled with Christ's peace. Soak it in. And then exhale. Exhale your stress, your worry, your weariness. Let it all go. Inhale again. Breathe in that peace. Let it fill your heart and mind and soul. <sighs> then let it out. Let out all those things that are not peaceful, but that are taking up precious real estate in your heart and spirit. And if you want to sit there for the rest of this sermon and just breathing in that peace, if that's what you need, please feel free to do so. Otherwise, when you're ready, open your eyes and notice how you feel. It's different, isn't it? You see, when Christ, when Christ breathed onto his disciples that first Easter, unleashing the Holy Spirit into the world, that breath, that spirit remains, is ever present to us even in this moment now. One of my favorite sayings that I can never remember where I read is God is as close as your next breath. So sometimes I remind myself of that and when I take that next breath, it is that peace, Christ's peace to which I am reconnected and it is a gift. Now, you may recall that on my first Sunday, I told you that we were just going to do Lent, celebrate Easter, get to know each other a little bit, and just breathe, not rush headlong into anything. And I know Easter Sunday is behind us, and you may be wondering, okay, Robin, so what now? And here I am, 
still telling you to just breathe. <laughs> but I want to say, I think this time it's different. Because this is not so much about not just rushing into something without being settled. This is part of the what now after the celebration of resurrection. This really is about being the church, how we are the church. Because we are not ever the church apart from Christ's peace, apart from God's own spirit. We have to breathe that in and let it shape and form us and give us new life. It will steady us and sustain us and make us bold in mission and ministry and in discernment and decision-making. It will calm us. It even has the power to dispel our fears should they arise. And it will empower us as we are sent, sent out into the world to love and to serve, to bear witness to our experiences of God in Jesus Christ. And we need all of that. We need the joy of Easter. We need the peace of Christ. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as we go about being the church in and for the world, over and over, we will be met with resistance, with rejection, with skepticism, with disbelief. And sometimes that may even arise within our own hearts and souls. Which brings us nicely to Thomas. As I came again to this story that puts Thomas front and center with the risen Lord, it occurred to me that Thomas just might be the patron saint of McGregor Presbyterian Church if you were to have such a thing. Because one of the things that I have heard repeatedly here is that McGregor is a place where it is okay, where you are even welcomed to ask questions, to wrestle with your faith, and not just nod and accept what you're told you're supposed to believe. And I love that you find that here. The church should be that safe place where we can take our faith seriously, where we can be upheld by others in a community of faith when we're struggling to believe they believe for us, or when we're struggling to pray, they're praying for us, or as we grapple with uncertainties and questions and dare I even say doubt. The story of Thomas, or part of its message at least, is that we are given permission to be Thomas, to ask those questions. We are given permission to really wrangle with our faith as we make it our own. And honestly, I think Thomas has always gotten a bad rap. This is the only story we really remember him for, and so he's often dubbed Doubting Thomas. And that's been construed as a bad thing. That's not all Thomas was, though. He was also courageous, Thomas. When Jesus said he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and die, it was Thomas who said, well, then let us also go so that we might suffer and die with him. He was also confused, Thomas. When Jesus told them before his death that he was leaving, but that they knew the way to the place where he was going, it was Thomas who spoke up and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, Lord. We don't even know where you're going. 
how can we possibly know the way? So doubting, courageous, confused Thomas was not just one-dimensional. He was, like all of us, a mixed bag, which I find encouraging and honestly a little refreshing. And while Thomas is the one who gets called the doubter, the reality is none of the disciples believed without encountering Jesus themselves. Remember Mary Magdalene last week? She ran into some man she thought was the gardener. She didn't recognize the risen Lord until he called her by name. And in our passage today, the disciples had heard Mary's testimony earlier, and clearly they weren't ready to take her word for it. For now we find them behind locked doors, afraid and uncertain. It was only when Jesus came and stood among them in that room, first offering words of peace and then offering himself. It was then that the disciples rejoiced after he had shown them his hands and his side, after they had seen for themselves. So we can't really blame Thomas or even criticize him for simply desiring the same thing. The eyewitness reports of the other disciples weren't enough, just like Mary's eyewitness had not been enough for them. Thomas wanted, maybe even needed, to see for himself that the dead Jesus was in fact very much alive. And so a week later, when the disciples, this time including Thomas, are again in the house, Jesus came and stood among them, again saying, peace be with you. I think Jesus really knows we need that peace. And then he turns his attention to Thomas. He doesn't express impatience with him or frustration at his need for something more than his friend's testimony. Instead, Jesus gives Thomas what he needs for faith. He offers himself. Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Now, the thing is, we don't know if Thomas actually did reach out and touch Jesus. All the paintings through all the years tell us that he did, but the story doesn't. What we do know from the story is that the invitation was enough to move Thomas to faith, crying out, my Lord and my God. And this is what the risen Christ does. This is who the risen Christ is. He meets us where we are, offers us what we need, and invites us to faith. No criticism, no shaming, no obstacles put in our way. Just an invitation to take that leap and believe. Whoever we are, wherever we are, Jesus reaches out to us and finds a way to bless us if we're willing to receive it. And that's key, I think. If somebody gives you a gift, if you don't unwrap it and take it out and use it, then it just sits there. You got to open a gift. You've got to use it. You see, at some point, we have to choose faith because faith is a gift and it is also a choice. It is a choice to look at reality, at all of life, with the belief that God is making all things new, rather than the belief that death is the ultimate reality. 
It is the choice to live in hope rather than discouragement. It is the choice to live lives of love even when we don't feel like it. Faith is also response. It's a response to our experience of something beyond us, beyond our comprehension, beyond our ability to explain or prove because we can never really prove faith. In one of my devotions this week, Reverend Chris Marischuk put it this way, faith is not some hypothesis awaiting absolute proof, I'll believe it when I see it. Faith is more like the certainty that comes from transformative encounters with the divine. When I believe it, I see it. When we are looking for God, when we are expecting the risen Christ, it is then that we are most likely to experience those divine encounters. And my friends, Jesus is an equal opportunity peace giver. We don't have to have it all figured out or have all our misgivings and questions answered. But we do have to put ourselves again and again in places where those encounters might happen like worship, like Bible study, like conversations about faith, like service. And we have to choose faith again and again. As another preacher writes, like any relationship, the decision to trust, believe, to hope in the promise has to be made again and again, every day, over and over, deepened and nurtured with time. Because I think when we have those God moments, those experiences of grace, those whispers of mercy, those surprises of awe and wonder and beauty, when we do have those moments, they serve to empower and strengthen us to continue to entrust our lives to the God who raised Jesus from the grip of death and who raises us to new life with him. All right, so what now? What does that all look like in our lives? Well, in very practical terms, here at McGregor, I would say, in the months ahead, we're going to be celebrating and learning from the history of this congregation, hopefully being able to do that in ways you wanted to for your 50th anniversary but were curtailed due to the pandemic. And as we take that look back, we'll be looking at how that history has shaped and formed, given McGregor its identity that you live out even now. What you've been has something to say about who you are now. And are those things still true? Then we'll engage in a mission study, looking at strengths and yearnings, getting to know the community and how God might be calling you to step and live into the future, what that might look like, all for the purpose of being able to know what kind of pastor you need next, what gifts, what skill sets will help you live into that future. So those are probably, in very practical terms, the next two major steps we'll do in this interim time. But in the larger, more spiritual sense, the what now is simply to remember that the risen Christ has breathed on us and gifted us with his peace, a gift like no other, a gift that, a peace that casts out fear and leads to joy. Let us trust that we are a breathtaking, spirit-infused people 
willing to wrestle with our faith as we make it our own and let us help and encourage each other this day and every day to continue to choose faith, to open our eyes to all that is good and all that is of God, trusting the risen Christ to meet us where we are and offer us just what we need. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Let us affirm our faith together as printed in the bulletin. New life in Christ takes shape in a community in which people know that God loves and accepts them in spite of what they are. They therefore accept themselves and love others, knowing that no one has any ground on which to stand except God's grace. Indeed, God offers us new life, new life to all that is, to everything that has breath, including us. So may our gifts and offerings serve as our songs of praise and thanksgiving in response to the goodness and grace of God. Again, you're invited to leave your offering in the offering plates found at the back of the sanctuary. You may give online or by mailing or dropping your check off at the church.
Let us now come before God in prayer. Holy Spirit, breath of life, gift of peace, fill us in our deepest places of need in these moments. Meet us where we are, we pray, even as we offer our prayers of hope for the world, for your church, and for all who are in need. Indeed, we pray for the church in all its many and varied expressions, for the ways that faith communities shape us, comfort us, help us grapple with our faith, for the ministries and missions that are accomplished in Christ's name as we seek to offer healing, repair, hope, and justice to the brokenness of our world and our communities. We pray for this congregation and for sister churches down the street and around the world as we all seek to chart a new path forward in these new and different times. We pray, O oh God, that we might be wounded healers who bring your peace into the world. Give us courage and wisdom for the living of these days. We pray, O oh God, for those who cannot yet see you or whose vision has been clouded and yet have a desire for your presence in their lives. Come to them, stand among them, fill them with your spirit and your peace. We offer prayers for those in the world who are wounded, those who suffer from war, oppression, famine, or disease. We continue to hold before you, O oh God, the people of Ukraine, for the people of Russia who have lost loved ones and are uncertain as to what the truth really is. Lord, we know that your spirit is truth. And so whatever that may be, we pray to send upon them. We lift up places undone by natural disaster. And for those who are working to bring hope and restoration in those places. We pray for those who need healing and hope who in these moments cannot see the possibilities for new life. Shine your light upon them. For those who are sick, those who are weary, those who are grieving, draw near to them and comfort them as you alone can. Oh God, you are our beginning and our end. You hold us and your precious world fast in your tender mercy. Breathe on us with your spirit and send us out to be faithful witnesses and workers for your justice, proclaimers of your good news of resurrection life and as a forgiven and forgiving people. We ask all this in the name of the risen Christ who taught us to pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, may you be filled this day and every day with the Spirit, with God's Spirit, and with the peace of Christ. And may we take that peace out into the world. The forgiveness that we have received, let us also offer that to others. As we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, those whom we love, and all God's children everywhere. Amen. Amen.